It's Tuesday, February 15th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Jason Moser. Also from Stock Advisor, Alex Scherer, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann. Guys, good to see you. Hey. Hello there. We've got the latest from Berkshire Hathaway, Starbucks, as well as some surprising news about Coca-Cola. But we're going to begin today overseas. China's consumer prices rose nearly 5% in January compared to a year earlier, and the f- price of food jumped more than 10%. Bill, man, is... is China just badly losing the fight against inflation? Uh, they are, but I mean, if you if keep in mind that this is something that this is part of the process anyway. I mean, this is part of what they were trying to do to bring China is still a great wealth generating machine, but this is ultimately pretty good for the U.S. And not to get too deep in the weeds of economics, it probably means that things are going to be more expensive here over the shorter term. But ultimately, the U.S. and other markets are going to be more competitive. I mean, if you think about what China is, it is the low cost manufacturing environment. So you're, what you're seeing is the beginning of some equilibrium coming into the system. One of the things that we've talked about over the past few weeks is the rising price of commodities just well, pretty much everywhere. I mean, is is when looking at commodity prices, is China the first place investors should be looking for red flags? I think I think that's definitely the case. I mean, we hear stories about uh, companies in Indonesia actually that I saw a few weeks ago that said that uh, Chinese government officials had come and said, we want to buy your entire supply. We want to buy everything that you produce. And that can't help but have an effect. I mean, it's somewhat sloppy, but what they're trying to do is is corner certain commodities so that, you know, which time that inflation does come, you know, they've got an absolute advantage. All right, let's move on to Berkshire Hathaway. According to the latest filings with the SEC, Warren Buffett has sold Berkshire Hathaway's entire stake in Bank of America while adding 6.2 million shares of Wells Fargo. Alex, as an investor, what did you make of the moves? Well, we'll all remember that back in 2008, Warren Buffett said, buy America. And uh, throughout the financial crisis, he has been buying a lot of banks. Uh, But this move is actually not all that relevant because, in point of fact, Warren Buffett never did buy Bank of America. This sale is is actually Lou Simpson's uh, portfolio. He is an investment manager that ranked Geico's couple billion dollars for Berkshire subsidiary Geico. Uh, And he retired a couple of months ago, and so that entire stake is being liquidated. And so uh, all the media uh, outlets that are uh, ascribing uh, all the importance to the Bank of America sale are a little bit wrong on on this count. Uh, The Bank of America sale is as important as the Nike, the Fiserv, or the Comcast sales, uh, and that is, in fact, not important at all. Bill? Let's just ignore the facts for a moment. Would (laughs) anybody be surprised that Berkshire Hathaway would have sold Bank of America? I mean, Warren Buffett really believes in in praising by name and criticizing by class, but he has killed Ken Lewis. He called him the man who accidentally saved America. I mean, (laughs) would there be any surprise at all that a buy of Bank America is anything but opportunistic? So when it goes up in price, he doesn't think it's the best bank out there. And he likes to be in in the best, which is why he is in things like Goldman Wells Sachs, Fargo. Wells Fargo. Goldman and I, Sachs, exactly. And I think the Wells Fargo buy is a lot more significant than the uh, Bank of America sale. I think that uh, he's been a, a staunch Wells Fargo supporter for decades. Wells Fargo has uh, uh, taken it in the shorts, just like every other big bank. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's showing his commitment with this it buy. It is shocking to me that the media consistently gets this one thing wrong. I guess we've solved it now since Lou Simpson has left. But 
all the time, these very small purchases, they say, Buffett, Buffett, Buffett. And it's not. I mean, he said that the small purchases aren't his. And that's the thing that it just is sort of the average investor sort of blows my mind a little bit because when we talk about small purchases, again, we're talking about millions of shares. In fact, hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's, it's Trump change for Buffett. And he has said anything under a billion dollars is not his moves. It's, it's been Lou Simpson's. It must be nice to be Warren Buffett. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure it's not without its challenges. But when you, when you can say, when you can put in an entire class anything under a billion dollars is small change, and I'm going to let Lou Simpson or someone else on my staff carry the water on that one. I think of Granny from uh, Bugs Bunny with the money to burn pile, you know, tossing, <laughs> tossing stacks of hundreds into the fire. This morning, Starbucks announced a deal with Courtesy Products. Starbucks will now supply coffee for up to a half million hotel rooms that use Courtesy Products single cup coffee brewers. Jason Moser, Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, I think it's fair to say they just flat out dominate the single cup market right now. How much market share can Starbucks take from them? Yeah, I mean, you're right. They do They do dominate that uh, market right now. But I think this I, – I was really happy to actually see this news. I mean, from last night's story of they were hinting – there was talk about a partnership between Starbucks yeah, and, and I mean, Green they, Mountain. Exactly. They were talking about possible talks with Green Mountain. And, and the question then was, who needs who more? I mean, is it you know, Starbucks looking to, to get the relationship with Green Mountain or the other way around? And really, you know, my perspective is that Starbucks doesn't need Green Mountain at all. I mean, when you look at Green Mountain, I mean, they're suffering from a few problems here. Number one, uh, they have net debt of about a billion dollars. Number two, uh, you know, financials have at least been brought into question. So nebulous, nebulous financials uh, never, never help the situation. And then number three, they actually have patents running off on their uh, K-cups uh, in 2012, which basically means that anyone who wants to, you know, make those K-cup serving of those cake up filters, they're going to be able to do it, and they're not going to pay, uh, pay royalties to Green Mountain. So Starbucks, essentially, they're looking at this from all sides and saying, what way can they get entry into this market and then try to build on that? And, and I think this relationship with uh, CBI uh, they announced this morning is just that. So again, on Monday, reports that there's Starbucks is going to be getting into the single cup market, talk of a possible partnership with Green Mountain. And while this news doesn't preclude that, um, it certainly does seem like Starbucks is basically saying, "No, for right now, we're just going to go it alone." I mean, as right, and I mean, they're also they've they've this one, I guess, is still you know in in litigation, but they're trying to you know end that relationship with Kraft, which would essentially uh, you know take take that relationship with Kraft, distributing the the coffee on the shelves in the stores. Uh, so it looks like Starbucks is trying to take control of their destiny a little bit more here, which you know I like that over the, over the long term. Bill? I think this is the only place in the coffee market in the U.S. where you can say that Starbucks to date has been outmarketed. Oh, absolutely. I, I think you're, you're exactly right there. Green, uh, Green Mountain's done a great job of that thus far. Uh, you know, I think the problem is going forward, they're going to have a lot of trouble really, uh, really, I think, gaining any market share. I mean, any market share is really theirs to lose. Uh, where Starbucks has this wide open playing field to go and really try to pick some up. Yeah, it's the patent question that's really key here because if that patent goes, then uh, there's no reason for anybody to, to stick around. But if that patent uh, is strong or if uh, Green Mountain is in any way able to uh, to keep on to the market share they have, I mean, let's not poo-poo this. They have an 80% market share in the single-serve market, and, and that's something that Starbucks doesn't have. And in fact, Starbucks market, uh, marketing representative said that they plan on taking the single-serve market by storm, just like the Apple iPhone did. Well, if they take the Apple iPhone's market share, I think that's like a 3.7% share of the smartphone market. So if that's the kind of storm they're talking about, then Green Mountain doesn't have so much to worry about. Shares of Starbucks hit a four-year high this week. Jason, 
Should shareholders be worried that maybe it's a little too richly valued? I, I really don't think so. I mean, I think the, the entry here with the single store of coffee is exciting. You know, I, I've been looking at Starbucks just from the international perspective of what their plans are for China going forward, as well as uh, what they're looking to do here in India over the course of the next five years. I still think there's, there's a lot of room for the company to grow. Uh, it may not be as much here domestically, but, but internationally, there, there's still a lot of prospects out there as well. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't be looking to get rid of the stock anytime soon. And finally, the 125-year-old top-secret recipe of Coca-Cola appears to have been revealed. The public radio show This American Life found a story in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution newspaper from February 18, 1979. Buried in the newspaper is a story that contains a photo of a handwritten copy of the original recipe of Coca-Cola. Uh, <laughs> Beyond just being funny. Um. <laughs> it's mostly funny. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, Coke is a marketing machine more than anything else. You remember these taste tests that, that Pepsi had a couple right. of years ago where people would try one and the other. Yep. Coke drinkers would, would prefer Pepsi, and then they'd go right back to Coke. It, you could put this stuff out tomorrow. You, you know, it could be moke or whatever. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Although the disaster of new Coke does say that there are some tastes that America just won't accept. That's right. That's right. In closing, is there? I mean, if I mean, this appears legitimate, and this this really. Is, I mean, I remember as a kid hearing about. Oh yeah, the top secret. There's there's a top secret. It's in a vaulted. It's in a vault. Bank. Two people have the combination, and they never fly on the same plane. Like, One yeah, of them is dead. Yeah. <laughs> but wasn't that just recently? There was like a former employee that said he had. He, he had gotten the formula from somewhere as a former employee a couple of years ago. I think he said he'd gotten the formula, and it, it turned out to be a bogus claim. But So it wasn't a guy who was hoarding old copies of the Atlanta <laughs> Journal-Constitution? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. In keeping with the, uh, the great secret of the Coke recipe, uh, what's one other great secret you would like to see revealed? Bill? I guess I would want to know, how in the world is it pronounced Shashevsky? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I mean, there are K's and Z's there, and R's involved. I don't hear any of those in Shishevsky. Are there vowels of any? There might be like like halfway through it. Somewhere, yeah, okay. All right, that's a good one. Jason? You know, I think for the longest time, I always was kind of wondering how really the pyramids in Egypt were built. Uh, but even more so, you know, I, I, I love a good Chipotle burrito. And every time I go there, it floors me. How in the world they roll those things together without splitting them apart? I want to know their secret. I can't figure it out. They pack those things full. I, I just don't get it. Wow, you're really thinking some deep thoughts over there. <laughs> I'm hungry. Alex? And when I was a kid, I actually, uh, my family watched Dallas, uh, uh, but I was always sent to bed, and so I'm still wondering who shot JR. Are you really? I really am. It was Shashevsky. <laughs> it was. It was Christian Shepard. <laughs> Am I the only one who knows that it was? No, I have no idea. Uh, it yeah, I was. I'm pretty sure it was Christian Shepard. Yeah, but that oh. was. Yeah, that was. That was a huge mystery. That's good to know. Mystery solved. Victoria uh, Principal. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Charlene Tilton. No, it wasn't her. Now I'm going to have to go do research. <laughs> yeah, I think actually gotta Damn go you guys! This is kind of going back to that Pluto goofy question from last week, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, Jason Moser, Alex Sher, Bill Mann, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>